The home that you worked so hard to purchase or the business that you dreamed of owning deserve to shine. LDJ Cleaning Professionals specialize in commercial, residential, and disinfecting cleaning. We've served Aurora and the Quad Counties with over 20 years experience in the professional cleaning industry. Whether you're looking for window cleaning, disinfecting, or general office cleaning, we offer it all and more. Hire a true professional and call us today at 630-291-5435 or visit our website at www.ldjcleaning.com. We help you protect your investment. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 7.24 a.m. You are listening to Good Morning Aurora the second largest city's first daily news podcast and it's friday the 12th of february 2021 i hope you're having a blessed and great morning if you're up get the coffee up get it up get it out hold on let's take a sip with you let's uh let's do oh oh all right all right so let's get into the news um we've got a bunch of great interviews to talk about. You guys will have seen yesterday's interview, which was done with Spots on the Fox, Keel and Anna. Uh, two great folks, great local business. Uh, check it out. Think about uh, becoming a vendor on Spots on the Fox. Great website. All right. News. Let's get into it. Just got a text. Okay, that's great. <clears throat> Good morning to our friends. All right. So tomorrow, Saturday, Lover's Lunch at McCarty Mills from noon to 2 p.m. Uh, there's a great new business that's coming in uh, to Aurora very soon. And you are getting the uh, the sneak peek, sneak, sneak drop information right here. Corinne's Kitchen. Uh, so on the menu will be slow smoked ribs, southern style greens, maple baked excuse me, maple bacon baked beans and butter crusted cornbread. That sounds really good. So um, if you're in the area, come on down to McCarty Mills on River Street. I can't think of the address right now. It's 100 and something South River Street, uh, right by the Aurora Public Library and right close to, right next to uh, Jimmy John's, right down the street. All right. And the Fire Museum, the Aurora Regional Fire Museum has buy one, get one free admission tickets. Um, and that is one per customer and that expires June 1st of this year. Check out the Aurora Regional Fire Museum, 53 North Broadway in Aurora. Their number is 630-256-4140 or visit their website at auroraregionalfiremuseum.org. Okay. Growing your business with LGBTQ friendly practices that Zoom and Facebook Live will be taking place on Tuesday, February 16th. We've posted this on our Facebook page for you guys. Uh, so please take part in that. And that's brought to us by the library, Aurora Public Library and the HRC Human Relations Commission. Shouts out. The Noon Lions fundraiser is also tomorrow. Spaghetti dinner fundraiser at Luigi's Pizza and Fun Center, 732 
Prairie Street in Aurora drive-through method, or you are welcome to come in. Uh, the Aurora Noon Lions International Club uh, is a great organization. All proceeds will go to support the Aurora Food Pantry and Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry as well. Shouts out. Okay, virtual rock and rumble, Monday, February 15th and Monday, March 15th at 10.30 a.m. Join the Aurora Public Library on Zoom for a fun music and movement program for all ages. Registration is required. A Zoom link will be emailed prior to the program. Check that out. Please take part in that. It seems like it'll be fun and with a lot of good music. <clears throat> and the Volt Mobile Van is still out there but today is the last day it'll be at prisco's community center uh today from 9 a.m to 4 p.m so get out there and rock the votes township elections are this month and mayoral elections in the city are in april on the 6th all right so uh we got a great stuff today bunch of great interviews i'm not gonna preview who we have coming on to the show today you will have to check out the episode and see don't forget to subscribe to the show on spotify youtube and itunes as well and uh, like the page on facebook and if you've got instagram and twitter holler at us get at us on both of those instagram and twitter we are proud to be the second largest city's first daily news podcast Big shout out to all of our fans, all of our listeners, and all of our subscribers as well. Shouts out to everybody, all Kane County, wherever you're at in Kane County. Stand them up, stand them up, get them up. It's early in the morning, so hopefully you've got your uh, coffee percolating and getting ready for this fantastic day. Have a safe, blessed weekend and a wonderful Friday today. And that is the news. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Curtis. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Doing great. We're blessed and having a great day today. Cold outside, but still it's warm in here. That's right. Um, so for our listeners and our viewers, those who are unfamiliar, let us know who you are and where you're from. Uh, I'm Bill Donnell. Uh, I'm uh, the alderman of the Fourth Ward, and I live over on the near west side in the Holy Angels neighborhood. Okay. All right. And you are from Indiana? Uh, born and raised in Columbus, Indiana, my wife and I both, uh, which is about a half an hour south of Indianapolis. Uh, great little town, Columbus, is known for its architecture and industry. Cummins Diesel is down there. My dad worked for Cummins Diesel for 25 years. So Well known, well known. Um, what's the, is there any similarities between the Columbus, Indiana experience and Aurora, Illinois? Um, Columbus is a town of about 35,000 people, so much smaller. Right. Um, but uh, I will tell you, uh, very engaged in the arts, which is a similarity that, you know, hopefully we'll talk about a little bit more. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, very engaged in the arts. They, they had an Indianapolis uh, Museum of Art uh, uh, satellite right there in Columbus. And, and each year we had Pop Fest, which uh, the symphony came down and performed out on the steps of the library. So, uh, so yeah, very, very nice. Um, growing up, what impact did your mom have in your life? You know, my mom, um, well, I guess first thing, we lost her too soon. She, she fought cancer for 20 years. But she was a registered nurse, a very a giving and supportive person, very loving person, um, a great baker, taught me to make pie, taught, gave me the love of pie. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, if you love pie, you got to know how to make pie. So uh, yeah. she did that. Uh, 
but very supportive of us, very supportive of whatever we've done. I, uh, uh, I was uh, played in several sports, uh, you know, in high school, but I primarily was a swimmer. Oh. And my mom loved to go to swim meets and cheer me on. Uh, you know, and I, when you come up out of the water and you can hear her over everybody else, it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how long were you a swimmer? How long did you swim? Uh, I swam through junior high and high school, so okay. uh, so six, seven years. So. Okay. Uh, when did you make the transition from Indiana to Illinois or more? Well, um, I went to, uh, attended Purdue University, got a degree in landscape architecture, and uh, went back home and worked at the city county planning department, uh, but had an opportunity to work on a park, a big county park. They, uh, they said, build this, you know, give this a try, and, and I really enjoyed that. And uh, then started looking for opportunities to work to, in parks and recreation. And in 1984, I was lucky enough to get a job at the Fox Valley Park District as their landscape architect and planner. So my wife and I moved here in 1984 to work for the Fox Valley Park District. All right. What exactly does a landscape architect do? Well, um, where an architect creates uh, indoor rooms, the landscape architect creates outdoor rooms. Um, you know, things have to function properly. Right. So if you, uh, let's take a park for instance, you need to be able to, you know, get around through there, you know, pathways and sure. sidewalks and the like. Uh, you need to have activities uh, like, you know, basketball and playgrounds and shelters and arrange that so that it makes sense. Um, then when you have all that in place, you know, your, your palette as an artist is the plants that you use, the trees, the shrubs. Uh, the grasses and the like. So uh, mm. um, I worked in residential design uh, before, you know, coming to Aurora. But uh, um, my passion really was was the development of parks. So that's something that we'd see in a place like a Morton Arboretum. Is that the kind of is is, is that a, an example of good well, landscape architecture? The Morton Arboretum is more of a research facility, but it uh -huh. is a beautiful gotcha. and landscape architects, I'm sure, gotcha. helps lay out the roads and the pathways and where the buildings go. Um, so. And, and, and all kind of trying to work with nature. Uh, you know, we're more, uh, today we, we, we focus more on that than, than kind of a, uh, a, you know, a formal design. Well, right. the formal design is still out there, but we, you know, in Illinois we have a, a history of what we call prairie landscape, so. Right, right. Okay, so you get a, so science in 84, you get the job with the Fox Valley Park District. What's life like for Bill Donnell at this time? How are you? How's things? Well, um, life was good. Um, we uh, we were able to buy a house on on the near east side on Lebanon Street. Okay. Uh, my wife and I bought a house, and we've been married for a few years, um, and uh, but not didn't have a family. But when, once we, you know, I told my wife, I said, you know, we got to have a nest before we start laying eggs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we bought the home, and um, in six years we had three children, and. Um, so life was good and uh, uh, loved the area. Uh, we were close to the river. I always was fascinated with the Fox River and, right. and, and the recreational opportunities along the Fox River. Um, uh, so yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. And again, uh, Aurora, uh, obviously much bigger town. Right. At that time, probably 100,000 people versus my little town of 30,000 I came from. Right. And uh, we, uh, we loved the big town feel of it and, and tried to patronize things downtown. Uh, you know, 1984, we don't have what we had today, but we, we did come downtown to try to, we were just fascinated with that. We used to go to the Stallion Restaurant for breakfast. Stallion Restaurant. I, I got to, okay. 
That's one I gotta I gotta look that up with who you know who on the show. Right. Um, what was what was Aurora like in 1984? You mentioned perfect segue from, but you mentioned downtown. There was more. What's uh what was around industries? Um, well, you know, Caterpillar was you know the big the big brag right. was was still here, really going strong. Um, uh, all steel, um, Equipto, a lot of those. You know, and I. When you talk about the Fourth Ward, um, uh, Dave Hip is a local resident. Wrote a great book called, you know, The Rise and Fall of Industrial Aurora. And um, what we had at that point in time is we had uh, businesses, uh, international businesses, uh, you know, SA, uh, you know, the uh, Stevens, uh, Richard Wilcox. Mm -hmm. um, we had a lot of these big companies, um, and some of the other ones I just mentioned, uh, that not only were here but they were locally owned and locally managed and those people lived, many of them lived in the fourth ward. Wow. So what you'll find when you go through the fourth ward, you'll find like a block and a half from my house is, is the old Equipto building. Uh, it's right on the, the borders on Lincoln Park, one of, our, one of my favorite parks mm -hmm. that we talk about later. Um, but you had that close relationship between industry and, and the, uh, the men and women that ran those industry living in close proximity in, in beautiful historic homes. Sounds to me like the true meaning of a word or the phrase blue collar. Well, and there, there was a lot of opportunities, a lot right. of opportunities for people to, to have jobs and, um, um, you know, maybe we'll talk about Copley Hospital in the future, but Copley Hospital is also in the fourth ward and right. currently being redeveloped. But again, as I talked to people who lived around, you know, in that neighborhood, Many of them located there because of the jobs they had at the hospital. That's awesome. All right. Um, what are the boundaries of the fourth ward? Well, you know, uh, we can talk about roadways, but I'd rather say uh, Aurora University. Okay. Kind of anchors the fourth ward on the west side. Um, the Bardwell Copley Hospital neighborhood. Uh, he said we're we're the only ward that truly goes across the river. Um, gotcha. Downtown does a little bit, but you know, there's a whole one third of the fourth ward is located. On, on the near east side, southeast side, okay. uh, surrounding, uh, yeah, Bardwell School is kind of the anchor over there, right. Copley Hospital. Um, also go up to West High, uh, you know, coming down Galena, mm -hmm. uh, and we cross the river right down over here at North Avenue, and uh, so we we are a diverse and, and large ward. Yeah, very much so. That's a uh, quite a stretch. So tell me about the gold medal award for Fox Valley Park District. Well, uh, the gold medal is the Oscar for Parks and Recreation, and uh, the Fox Valley Park District, uh, uh, they won it twice. Um, they, they won it the first time before I came, basically for the development of the Red Oak Nature Center and, and many other facets uh, right. of the Park District, but then we won it again, um, you know, later when I was there, and um, really they evaluate everything you do. Uh, as a, a park and rec uh, agency, and um, uh, I, I truly was blessed to, to have that opportunity to work for them. I worked for the park district for uh, 15 years as their landscape architect, and then I was promoted to superintendent of parks, which then I got to take care of the parks okay. and maintain things, and um, so it, it was a great opportunity. But yeah, we were judged uh, not only on our parks, but you know our recreation programs, which uh, uh, we're uh, still are wonderful opportunities for the city, uh, people of the city of Aurora, Montgomery, and North Aurora. 
what are the characteristics of a good landscape architect? Um, I think first off, you have to be a good listener. Um, in the if you're working in the private sector, you're normally working with uh, maybe a husband wife team. Sometimes mm -hmm. you need to uh, be able to listen to both of the opinions and oh, come yeah. up with a with a solution that works for everybody. Right. Um, you know, in in my more my arena where I worked in, in, the, in the public sector during Parks and Rec, um, you still have to be a good listener. We, uh, we had a citizen advisory group uh, many times for new park development uh, where I would meet in people's living rooms and, and we would you know, talk about you know, what it is we wanted in the park, what was important, and um, normally that went pretty well. I remember one time we, we couldn't agree on the color of the playground, so we made the playground multicolored and, and it worked out pretty well. Really. <laughs> uh, but, but you also have to be have to understand the functional relationships um, that you know how things relate to each other. Uh, you may not want the basketball court right next to the playground because you got two different age groups oftentimes you know playing on that, and so you want to have a little separation. So I think you have to be sensitive to those functional relationships. And then again, um, my education focuses a lot on horticulture, um, so it's understanding. Uh, what plants do well here, and, and again, towards the, the end of my career, or the, towards it, we really started focusing on natives, trying to use native plants that, that were you know, adapted to our area, native grasses, we incorporated native grasses, which you'll see many times in parks, and then you start to look at you know, the biodiversity that that brings, the butterflies, uh, you know, the insects, the birds, um, uh, so that folks can kind of have that more of a natural connection uh, with some of the areas that are more naturalized. Such as the sunken gardens in Phillips The Park? sunken gardens is a beautiful formal garden, okay. which they have incorporated native grasses and many other things. It, it is, uh, that's more, uh, you know, the old tradition and, okay. and it's beautiful. Uh, you know, Phillips Park is, is the biggest park in the city of Aurora. And it's, it's run by uh, the city of Aurora. Right. Fox Valley Park District runs uh, the majority of the parks, but there's a few of them, Garfield uh, and Phillips, that uh, are still run by the city. They do a beautiful job. You know, obviously, we have the zoo and the, you know, the award-winning golf course. But even the golf course, you know, if, you, if you're a golfer, you go out, there's a lot of natural areas. Um, I know, I, I think they're Audubon certified, so you know, there's birds and insects, and, and you get that complete experience. And we're gonna talk golf. We got, that's on the list. That is on the list. Um, when did you become alderman? Pardon me? When did you become alderman? Uh, I was elected alderman in 2013. Uh, I retired from the Fox Valley Park District, had an opportunity to retire, um, worked in the private sector for a couple of years, and then there was an open seat uh, on city council in the fourth ward. So uh, um, that seemed kind of, I kind of missed my connection that I had at the park district because as superintendent of parks you're kind of a problem solver. You're the guy that people calls when things aren't, you know, you, right, right. you, you need extra sign here or, or something's broken, you got to fix. So I had that connection with the community and uh, and I had a great experience in the private sector but I kind of missed that, that connection. Sure. So in, in looking at the alderman job I thought well maybe this is similar to what I did at the park district and what I felt I had, you know, some competency to add, and also I, I, I knew a lot of people that could help, you know, make things happen for right. it, and um, not for me, but for, you know, the citizens that, right. that, that ask things. But, um, so I, uh, I jumped in the race, there was one other person in the race, 
it turns out five more people jumped in the race, so there were seven of us <laughs> in the primary. So it was it was fun, and and, and I uh, obviously was successful and and uh, was elected in 2013. Wonderful. Uh, now you were chairman of the planning commission as well. Um, what is the planning commission, and what does it do? Uh, the planning commission is uh, a group of citizens that are uh, appointed by the mayor and city council uh, to kind of evaluate, um, you, you know, like subdivision plans, rezoning plans, uh, you know, plans, uh, uh, comprehensive plans that we have, and, and it's a, you know, it kind of lined up with my my education and experience, mm -hmm. and uh, I sat on the planning commission for 27 years. And the last 10 years, I was the chairman of the planning commission. So um, it's a great experience, but I tell you what it teaches you. It teaches you to listen. Because this is, uh, the planning commission is also the location where you get public input. And like uh, oh. city council, where, I, where we love, limit public input, we don't limit that at planning commission. Anybody? City council's three minutes. Well, it's still three minutes because, okay. but but you you know we cut that off at a half an hour at city council, so you don't go the right. whole, whole night with public input. But at at plan commission, you're you're there to listen, and um, I will just tell you when the premium outlet mall uh, came through was, yeah. a, was a big project. Uh, we we did a lot of listening, and, uh, <laughs> which is important. Of and course, so, but that you know it taught me patience. It taught me the ability to listen, uh, listen more carefully. And, and purposely, and uh, and, there's, and obviously they're still going on today. Um, planning commission is still a critical part. Um, they kind of do the work, um, you know, of the public hearing, but they also help guide us um, in, in the direction that we need to go. So I've I've always listened to the staff. Of course, I sat in that other seat for a while, so mm -hmm. you respect that. And uh, um, but they do a great job. In your time um, being uh, working with the city, from Park District to Alderman. What's one thing that you learned that you didn't know before? Well, there's hundreds of things I learned that I didn't know before. Um, that's a great question. Let me let me think about that for a minute. But I, well, you know, the, the whole listening thing, which I talked about, I think was important. Um, uh, I was 27 when I came to work for the Fox Valley Park District, and um, I was the department head of one. <laughs> right. Planning was it. Wow. And, uh, you know, as a young person, you, you kind of think you have it figured out. Um, I got this. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Or, you know, I, I studied that in school. Or, yeah. But I, I think as you, as you mature and you, and you have life experience, you realize that there is different perspective. Not everybody looks at the same things that the, the way that you might. Right. And so you have to be able to put you know, yourself in somebody else's shoes and look at it from their perspective. I just learned talking to you uh, in the discussion that you just talked about with the uh, basketball court. Yeah, sure. Teenagers and high schoolers are rambunctious on the basketball court. Your four, five, and six-year-olds, you might want to have a little, yeah. Mm -hmm. Duh. Mm -hmm. Wow. I didn't even, mind blown. Um, let's talk the infrastructure and tech committee. Okay. Um, what does that do? Sounds easy enough to know what it does, but um, what do you guys do? Well, there's some, you know, you talk about learning things. Um, I don't know what this makes me, but I, I'm, I am fascinated with what's below ground, mm -hmm. uh, how, how it works, how the sewers work, how the water mains work. You know, there's gas mains down there. Uh, I saw a picture one time somebody had drawn that showed, you know, all the layers, the subway, everything that's below Earth. Wow. A lot of what infrastructure and technology has to deal with those things. Um, 
what we're trying to do here in town, um, which you're actually mandated to do by the EPA, is separate our storm sewer from our sanitary sewer. So the sanitary sewer obviously is when you flush the toilet, that goes down to Fox Metro. Right. The storm sewer is what picks up the water from the streets and goes into the river directly. Uh, two different things. And, mm. and um, many older communities like, like Aurora, uh, old industrial towns in the Midwest, built combined sewers so that everything went together. And during dry weather, everything goes down to Fox Metro. But when you get big storm events, you would have overflows of combined sewers going into the river. And um, so we're, we work hard on that, and we're still doing those projects. We just approved one for Sexton Street, uh, decombining you know, these kind of sewers. And uh, um, obviously, I think that the environmental benefits, and, and you know, again, we really haven't talked about it, but that's kind of been my focus. I, I was uh, with the Fox River Ecosystem Partnership for many years with president of that twice. Again, focused on the water quality in the Fox River. And uh, these combined sewers are, are, are a big deal to try to take care of that. And Aurora's doing a great job. Right. Um, water mains. I had no idea water mains cost so much money. And, you know, when do they fail? And some of them last 100 years, some of them last 20 years, depending on, you know, the kind of soil they're in. Yeah. Um, many people probably remember uh, last year about this time we started a project of a water main replacement over on Galena by West Plaza. Right. Um, that was a million dollar job. And, um, you know, when you, that's what I kind of learned is how much things actually cost. Right. Um, another one we dealt with with wells. We have a number of, you know, we have three sources of water, deep wells, shallow wells, and the river. Um, we had to recommission a well that had been taken out of service and we needed new equipment for it. Uh, that was a quarter of a million dollars. Holy cow. So I learned how much things cost. And uh, certainly when I was newer, um, I would ask a lot of questions because of how can this cost so much to do this? But, you know, when, when you're talking about something the size of the city of Aurora, and this isn't a little well, this is a, this is a big well, and it's a thousand feet deep, um, you know, the prices are go up. Of course. Holy cow. Um, well, the, the environment's crucial. The ecosystem is crucial as well. Um, how was Aurora, do we have a bad infrastructure system? I mean, you mentioned the combined sewage system, but uh, how was the water, you know, how were things before for those, who, was it terrible? Did we have a poor quality? Um, many, many years ago. We'll say, say a hundred years ago. Yes. Yeah. You know, because again, it's, it's, it was common um, for factories to, to sit along the edge of the river uh, to just dump their whatever you know byproduct they in the manufacturing into the river. So a hundred years ago, water quality in the river was not good at all. And um, I don't know if you ever heard the story of the fox, um, the environmental crusader who kind of exposed some of that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Armor Dial was was one of them that their their the waste products from making soap would go right into the river. Right. And uh, obviously, I think today we know that that's not good for uh, the environment, not good for the animals that live there. But I will tell you, um, Aurora and, and many communities uh, have made great strides. Uh, the Fox River Ecosystem Partnership goes from the state line all the way down to Ottawa, so it's the entire watershed of the Fox. And there's a, a group of people that work together uh, to try to. To, uh, their goal is to improve water quality, and at that point, when, when it was formed back in the late 90s, there were grants that we we would give out to help people uh, improve that. 
But I will tell you, um, uh, a, a biologist with the, with the state, uh, Steve Pescatelli, I'll give him credit where credit's due, we were having a, a, a focus, uh, you know, trying to come up with a comprehensive plan for the fox, and he got frustrated, and he said, um, a river is only as good as what lives in the river. You can always tell the water quality by what lives there. And basically, if you find high-quality fish in the river, then the water quality is good. So we're finding high quality, you know, uh, walleye. Walleye are a sensitive species, mm -hmm. uh, and we find walleye now in, in the Fox River. Um, we used to do, when I was at the park district, we did a lot of um, projects where we plant native plants along the edge of the river to kind of stabilize the edges of the river. And one group that came to work with was called the, uh, the Smallmouth Alliance. They were a bunch of fishermen that loved to fish for smallmouth small bass. And they told me, and I, I couldn't believe it, even though I was involved, um, the Fox River is one of the best smallmouth fisheries anywhere in the nation. Oh. And so that, that says something for you know, where we've come in the last hundred years um, in, in the improvement of the water quality of the Fox River. This is a great conversation. I like nature. And uh, yourself and Mr. Charlie Zine are two people who really just blew my mind with uh, nature and the ecosystem so early in the morning. This is a great conversation. Uh, let's talk about the Rules Administration and Procedure Committee. Rap. 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 <laughs> they had it turned around so it didn't mean anything. I said, well, let's just let's call it Rap. So, uh, <laughs> so that's the committee that... Um, it's shared by uh, Carl Frankel, which I think has been on your program yes, in the sir. past. Yep. Um, we look at different things, um, uh, new ways of doing things, um, rules, procedures, you know, rule administration. And um, I will tell you right now, we're looking at, and have been looking at for a number of weeks, um, a proposal which um, would, right now, um, you can sell purebred dogs at pet stores. Right. And... Um, so Naperville, after many years of deliberation, elected not to do that. So we have pet stores uh, in Naperville that are looking to move to Aurora so that they can sell. And there's a big, big concern about uh, puppy mills and the humane treatment of, of uh, pets. Dogs primarily, but also cats and rabbits. Sure. And so um, for several weeks we've been listening to uh, subject experts and uh, try to decide whether we need to have an ordinance and what that ordinance looks like. So um, I will tell you, this is something that I, I have got more uh, input than virtually any issue uh, that I've had since I've been in Alderman. So wow. we're carefully looking at that. But it's, again, that's uh, an example of the kind of stuff that RAP is responsible for. Was there, um, did the Naperville experience produce any, like, you know, documented abuse or anything that was really, like, some concrete cases that we could see, like, Here's evidence locally that we... Well, um, most of these dog breeders are um, not in urban areas. So they'll be in Indiana. Many of them are in Indiana. Um, Missouri is a big state for it. Um, Southern Illinois has, has a lot of breeders. And many of them do a great job. Right. But many of them don't. And, and again, uh, through the uh, Humane Society and, and some of the other advocates for humane ordinance, um, we've seen lots of examples of... Right. Inhumane uh, treatment of and the raising of, of uh, especially dogs. Um, there's other things that we, we don't really can't really control is the internet sale of, of dogs and cats. Yeah, 
um, Facebook marketplace and all that stuff. Yeah. So, and some say that if you ban the sale in, in, in the pet store, then everybody's going to go internet, which is even worse. So, uh, so it, it's a it's a tough tough issue that we've been we've been talking about for some time. And uh, again, um, no one's spent a lot of time with that, but that's that's the type of thing that rep has to take a tackle. When are those meetings? Um, well. Tuesdays, uh, every other Tuesday, we have a normal wrap meeting because uh, to, to look at this issue with uh, the sale of pets is uh, so comprehensive. Uh, we've, we've scheduled a special meeting on Wednesdays. Uh, the next meeting will be Wednesday, February 17th at 3 p.m. Uh, and I've, I've, virtually everybody that's contacted me, I've responded to and, and thanked them for their input mm -hmm. and directed them to, to watch this because it's not a simple issue. Right. Um, and we, we'll spend two hours um, on that Wednesday the 17th talking about uh, this issue. We spend two hours every day. <laughs> All right. Um, big brothers, big sisters, uh, res resource council. Right. Excuse me. Uh, tell us about that. Um, Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, is a national organization that provides mentorship um, uh, for, for young people, boys and girls, and um, again, I, I've had some experience with that, and um, you know, at that point they were housed with uh, Family Counseling Services, which was just around the corner. Oh yeah! yeah just around River the corner. River Street. River Street, yeah. And, Good place. Um, again, it's a great model for a program, and I was in it for a number of years. And again, to uh, and I've had some you know, first-hand experience. I've actually encouraged more people to be bigs. Uh, mm -hmm. My brother was a big because I pushed him a little bit. My daughter was a, was a big sister, um, and they uh, they really it, it's a great experience for both. You know, I think sometimes the mentor gets as much out of it, uh, you know, as a young person. Um, but it, it's really trying to find someone that a, a person, a young person that maybe doesn't have someone in their life that's sure. their champion, and that big becomes their champion and and. Uh, um, you know, there were some advertisements that you used to, you, you don't have to be like a superman to be a mentor. Uh, you have to be a regular person that can spend some time. Um, the, the experience that really drove me, my wife, back when we lived in Columbus, mm. uh, was a big sister. And um, they would just go shopping or uh, maybe go to the movies was a big deal, but mm. go shopping, not, you know, wasn't any big expensive kind of thing. And um, years later, Five, six years later, we had moved, we're up here, my wife gets a Christmas card from her little, and she's got a picture of her family, and she thanked her for, you know, she says, you helped me through that tough time in my life. Good stuff. That's the kind of memories we're trying to make with people. That's right. That's what that's what lasts a, life, a lifetime. All right, so now we're going to get to the golf part. Okay. All right. First, do you golf? Not well, but I do golf. <laughs> uh, tell us about electric golf carts for... Phillips Park. That seems to be an initiative that's uh, pretty big. Well, um, obviously there's two kinds of golf carts. There's the gas carts that you know have a little motor in them, and then there's the electric ones that are quiet right. and, and uh, don't produce any uh, any kind of pollution. Um, you know, obviously charging there, you know, there's, you go way back, you, you may be able to document some, but they're, but they're clean. Right. Kind of like electric cars. And so um, we had a meeting the other day where um, where Phillips Park wants to enter into a new contract for, for golf carts. And the question came up, could we do electric carts? And um, it's something I think we want to look at. 
right now, uh, if you can imagine, if you have, we get, I think, 64 carts. We can only get 32 of them in the garage uh, to where they get plugged in. Right. I don't know that you want to plug them in outside. So we don't have all the answers yet, but I think what we'd like to do is look to the future to see if we could, again, if you're going to plug in 32 golf carts, you're going to have to have a significant uh, electrical infrastructure. Yes. And, and, there, and there's a, there'd be a cost to that. But um, what we said in committee is, let's look at that cost. Let's make an informed decision. And if we can, maybe we can do uh, some electric carts in the future. Um, so when's the, when's the next, uh, I guess, set of discussion and progression for that issue? Um, so that came out of committee, and we'll go to uh, committee of the whole, okay. cow. And um, I, I think, and uh, Alderman Lofty asked that, to see, you know, and I don't know if they're going to have enough time because there's really only a week or two between the two meetings to try to figure out exactly what that cost would be. Right. But I think, for me, what I want to do is is kind of, you know, let the staff know that we're interested in in going a different direction. Um, and then ultimately, um, the council would have to say, okay, it's X dollars. Are you willing to, to budget that money uh, to go that direction? Right. To kind of weigh the benefit versus the cost. Um, so I don't know that's something we can do this year, um, but it's, it's something I want to look for in the future. Um, what's it like being on the, what's, what's city council like? What's it, you know, what's it? Well, it's different today than it was uh, before COVID. Um, you know, now we're all Zoom. Yeah. Which there's a lot of pluses to Zoom. You get to look at each other. You, you can work from your living room or your office, and um, but um, you don't get a chance to just kind of chat with you know with right. your fellow aldermen. So, um, but uh, you know, somebody said one time, "Well, um, oh, I think it'd be fun to be an alderman." Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use that term. Um, it can be rewarding. I think it is rewarding when you can help people. Uh, I work hard to uh, respond to people within 24 hours, whether a call or a phone call or, or an email. Um, uh, my my phone is right here. This is my office, so you know you're going right to my cell phone, um, and that can be good and bad. I mean, it, sometimes there's problems that you can't solve, right? Um, or you can't solve quickly, and. Uh, uh, you know, I had a gentleman call me, and uh, early in the winter, he didn't have any heat. Uh, ComEd had cut off his power. There had been some sort of a, a miscue. Is this really a city issue? Not really. Right. But we were able to help him um, work through ComEd, and we got his power back on. His wife, actually, I don't want to talk too much, but she had a, a health issue which she needed power on. And uh, so that was that's rewarding. Right. Um, but it can be stressful. Um, you know, there's uh, people will call you and, and, and express their opinion, and, and you know you have to go one way or the other. You can't make everybody happy, and so right. you have to try to figure out what's best for the city. What is one thing? What's one misconception that people have of an alderman besides the fact that they think you can fix anything? Are you really responsible for our pothole circle? You know, um, in a way, we are. Um, I look at myself as as a as a representative of my constituents, yeah, we sit at city council. Um, you know, used to be in the city council. Now we're in Zoom, and you make big decisions on a uh, $400 million budget, and, and you know, you try to be irresponsible with golf carts. But I think my primary responsibility is is to be responsive to to my constituents. And a pothole or a street light 
or a sign missing, um, you, you know, I take those seriously. And uh, I will tell you, we have a wonderful staff in the city of Aurora, wonderful responsive staff. Um, as you can imagine, uh, I know the mayor's got a new program to shovel snow, but I got a lot of snow calls uh, recently. And, um, and you know, some of them you can do something about pretty quick, some of them you can't, but uh, you, you need to respond to those the best you can. Right. And uh, so, yeah, in a way, um, I think we do a pretty good job with potholes, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But people have to understand that, that a lot of times that's a temporary fix. Right. What does America mean to you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, great question. Um, you know, America, it, it really does have the opportunity for anybody to, to achieve anything. I think, you know, we're not a perfect country, but I think when you look at other countries, and I've traveled a little bit, um, you know, what you can do, you know, even as a, you know, like a first-generation immigrant, you know, you can start a business, you can okay. be successful, um, and I think America, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say land of opportunity, but it truly is. Mm -hmm. It's a land of freedom and opportunity, and, um, and you know, obviously my home. Yeah. And I've been blessed to be able to travel, and, and there's other places that are wonderful, but I wouldn't want to live any place but here. The show ends on a positive note. What is your message to the uh, citizens of Aurora on this Friday? Um, I will tell you, Curtis, it's, it's been tough. It's been a tough year. I think I'm not telling anybody anything they don't already know. Right. But on the positive note, uh, I think we're, we're climbing out of that. Um, you know, more and more vaccines. That's the number one people think people are concerned mm -hmm. about is the vaccine, which, you know, again, I, I don't give the shots, but, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to guide people to where they do, can get shots. Right. But I think we're climbing out of that. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, you know, my church, you know, we now can have 50 people in church where we had nobody in church, you know, two, right. two months ago. Right. We're starting to climb out of that. So um, be positive. Um, I think we're going to get through this. We'll, we'll look back at this as a, as a, as a tough time, uh, you know, both from the COVID, from, you know, social unrest uh, to, you know, politics. Um, I, I think we're moving forward in a positive direction and, and hopefully soon we'll be back to, um, you know, going downtown to out to eat. Right. With the nice sunshine and not eight degree weather. Oh. Right. Um, so I want to end the show by saying thank you and let you know that a friend of the show, Nelson, also said, a uh, young man, also said uh, he appreciates you. So with that, we appreciate Mr. Donnell for coming on to the show. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you, it Curtis. Means, it means appreciate a lot. the opportunity. It means a lot. All of you listeners and viewers out there, have a safe, blessed, wonderful Friday. And we'll see you guys back here Monday morning.